Good morning and happy Sunday, happy October, or the whatever time you listen to this. Good afternoon and a good evening. Just want to welcome you to the fourth quarter of 2020. And I just want to encourage you to set some goals, set some God honoring goals, and get to work. This is still your year to be and do all that God has called you to be and do. Today, I'm going to give you part one of a two-part sermon series talking about loving God and loving people. And then stick around to the end. I'm trying something new, and I'm concluding with a fire spoken word piece by my sister in Christ, Emery Colvin. I'll leave the link in the show notes so you can check out more of her work. And lastly, Wednesday's episode will feature a fun and down-to-earth conversation with Jonathan Pacluda who's a former director of The Porch, which is a young adult ministry in Dallas that literally are reaching thousands of college students and young adults. We're talking all things adulting, relationships, career, purpose, and so much more. So tune in. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you for that listener that's tuned in today. Let's pray that this sermon would, would touch their hearts, would encourage them, it would inspire them. And whatever they may be going through, Lord, just pray that you, you show up and show yourself strong, mighty, faithful, and good. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So in this series, we're talking about loving God and loving others. But before we can talk about loving God, we got to first talk about God loving us. Now, friends, the gospel informs us that love originated in God and it was manifested in his son, Jesus. And it's demonstrated by his people, you and I. And the, the, the type of love that we're talking about today is agape love. And that refers to God's unconditional sacrificial love for you and I. Let me read John three sixteen and 17. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved. Now, John continues in chapter 15 and verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, than someone will lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus personifies perfect love. He literally died for you and died for me. And the love that Jesus has, it goes beyond feelings. It goes beyond words, but it's demonstrated through action and commitment. My brother or my sister, Romans 5 and 8 says this, but God showed his love for us that while we was yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't look at me and say, you know, I'm going to wait till Paul get it together, and then I'm going to die for him. But he came for you. He came for me while we was in our mess. But God showed his love for you that while you were still a sinner, 
Christ died for you. And that's good news to start off the fourth quarter of this year. That's good news to start off this October of 2020, talking about God's love for us. And so I just want to answer the question at hand is, how does God show his love to you? Well, friend, the number one way that God has already shown his love for you is by dying on the cross. Jesus Christ was our substitute. In other words, if we're going to be honest, this is real people, real talk. If we're going to keep it real, it should have been you on that cross and it should have been me on that cross because it was our sin. But Jesus Christ was our substitute and he took our place. Jesus shows us love by taking away our sin and taking away our shame and giving us salvation. Jesus shows us his love by taking away our faults and taking away our failures and giving us forgiveness. Jesus takes away your guilt and gives you grace. He he takes away your, your punishment and gives you peace with God. And this God that we serve can give you a peace that surpasses all understanding, my friend, that even when you can't figure it out, You can trust God because he's behind the scenes already working it out. God is so good. He loves us so much that he can give us peace in the midst of turmoil. This is the peace that surpasses all understanding. As the word tells us, when we keep our mind on him, he'll keep us in perfect peace. I don't know about you, but I desire that peace. But it's my responsibility to keep my thoughts on the Lord. God also loves us by giving us joy. And I'm not just talking about a smile on your face, but a smile in the depths of your heart, soul, and spirit. The Bible says they give us unspeakable joy. In other words, God is so good that you can be surrounded by sadness, but he's so powerful that you can still have unspeakable joy. God loves us by, he demonstrates that love by also Providing for us justification. You've been justified. And I heard it said like this, just if I've never sinned. In other words, you have been made right with God the Father because of what Jesus did. I don't know about you, but that's love. He continues to show you love by waking you up every single day. And every day that you wake up, that's another chance for you to get it right. That's God's personal message of saying, I have more for you to do. And not only does he wake us up, but he wakes us up to new mercies and to new grace. The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. Jesus also demonstrates his love by giving us um, a purpose and calling us to do great things. And Jesus promises to work all things out for our good, according to Romans 8 and 28, that even when things don't look good, feel good, or seem good, we have an ironclad promise from God that everything is going to work out for our good. And so you may be in the middle of some things that's not feeling good, but let me just encourage you that God has a way in his faithfulness and in his power and in his sovereignty. God has a way of working all things out for your good, but also for his glory. Jesus shows us that he loves us 
by answering all of our prayers. I know that maybe you're listening like, well, I don't I don't know about that. I don't know if Jesus answers all our prayers. I believe he does. He answers with a yes. He answers with a no. And sometimes he will answer with a not now, which is really just a delayed yes. I'll give you an example. Let's say while I'm recording this podcast and preaching this sermon, my wife walked by and I said, hey, babe, can you bring me a glass of water? So my wife looks at me in my eye, gives me the biggest, most beautiful smile and says no. <laughs> and so my question to you is, did I get what I want? No. Did she answer me? Yes. And so God answers all prayers. And maybe saying, why, why does God say no? Well, sometimes he'll tell us no, because what we're praying for, we're simply not ready for. We can tell us no, because we still have some, some unforgiveness in our heart and some unrepentant sin that we keep returning to over and over again. Or sometimes God will tell us no, because he has something better for you and I. This God that we serve, he loves us so much. He's so gracious, so merciful, so good, and so awesome that even when he says no, his no has goodness and faithfulness written all over. The same way that you trust God with a yes, you got to trust him with a no. The same way that you trust God with open doors, you got to trust him when he closes. The same way that we trust God when he brings people into our lives, we got to trust him when he removes those people from our lives when they're seasoned is up. God answers all prayers. I had to preach a separate sermon on it. That was good. He also shows us love by graciously and generously providing and bestowing upon us spiritual gifts to further the work of the kingdom, such gifts as administration or or giving or mercy, just to name a few. Then he loves us so much. He loves the world so much that he invites you to be a part of his grand global plan of redemption, which is a great commission of making disciples. Jesus, he shows us his love by saving us from hell, saving us from sin, saving us from Satan. Then he protects us. He provides for us. He, he heals us. He gives us a new life. He gives us an abundant life. He gives us a fresh start. He loves us also by placing people in our lives. They're going to love us, disciple us, mentor us, and, and invest in us and speak the truth in love. I've heard it said like this, that somebody wants to ask Jesus, Jesus, how much do you really love me? Jesus looked at the person. He stretched out his arms wide and said, I love you this much. And then he died. And if we're going to be honest here, it's no secret that God really does love us, love you, and he loves me. But the question at hand is this. Do we really love God? Do you really love God? A few moments ago, we read John chapter 3 and verse 16. But when can God, and I personalize it here, when can God read Paul 316? Or insert your name 316. For example, Paul 316. Paul 316. What I mean by that, when can God be able to say, well, Paul so loved God that he gave God his everything. So God definitely does love you. But you need to reciprocate that love and love him back. 
which finally brings me to the text at hand for this series is found in Matthew chapter 22 verses 35 through 38. I'm going to read that for you. And this is known as the great commandments. And it goes, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. He said, teacher, which is the great commandment and the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your, of your mind. This is a great and first commandment. So the great and first commandment that we must abide by is to love God. And really, Jesus is reiterating what was spoken in Deuteronomy chapter six and verse five, saying that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. And when we see those words like loving God with your mind, your heart and your soul, this isn't the part of the sermon where I break it down and say, all right, these are the ways you love God with your mind. These are the ways that you love God with your heart. These are the ways that you love God with your soul. No, according to Hebraic thought and Hebraic culture, when you say love the Lord your God with all your mind, your heart and soul, basically that tells us that we should have total devotion to God and we should love God with all of us, with everything that's in us, we should love God and we should love God with our everything. And so really, as we're talking about the first commandment today and next week, we'll, I'm going to do back-to-back sermons just so I can finish the series. But today, the first commandment is talking about loving God. But the two great commandments can be summed up. I mean, the, the two great commandments, it sums up the Ten Commandments and the entire law. Let's let's go back to the Ten Commandments. Here are the first four. Let me read them to you. You should have no other gods before me. You should make no idols. You should not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You will keep the Sabbath day holy. So these first four commandments refers to our relationship with God and how we should love him by not having idols, by keeping the Sabbath day, by by um, not taking the name of the Lord in vain, etc. Now, here are the last six, the final six. Number five, you should honor your father and your mother. Number six, you should not murder. Number seven, you should not commit adultery. Number eight, you should not steal. Number nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And number 10, you shall not covet. So these last six commandments addresses how we should love others. So the two great commandments that Jesus gives us here in Matthew sums up the Ten Commandments and the entire law. But another question that I have for you, as I want to get practical here, is how do we really show our love to God? We know that God loves us. We know that God really does love us and he demonstrates his love to us on a daily basis. But how do we reciprocate that love? How do we show God that we love him? And it really it really comes down to one word, obedience. We show God that we love him by obeying him. And so now I'm going to give you some practical steps, but everything that I give you now is really just obedience manifested in various ways. Um, John 14 and 15 says this, if you love me, you would keep my commandments. If you love me, 
you would keep my commandments. We show God, you can show God that you love him by giving God your life. He gave you his life. Can you give your life back to him? Jesus loved you. He loved you so much. He loved you enough to die for you. Can you love him enough to live for him? The way that we show God that we love him by living out Matthew 6, 33, that we'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto us. And that's the correct order. We seek God and we get the things that God deems necessary and in his time. But too often, if we're not careful, we'll seek after the things and miss out on God. We must seek God first, seek him with our everything. The way that I show God that I love him is by spending time with him. You can insert almost any relationship that you may have, maybe with your wife or with your husband or with your best friend or your parent or your child. One of the ways that you demonstrate that you love that person in that relationship and that friendship is by spending time with that person. And in the same way, the way that we show God that we love him is by daily devotion. Some people call it a quiet time, but it's really just time with Jesus that boils down to time in prayer and time in the word. You can show God that you love him through your worship, through your praise, through your serving. We show God that we love him by expressing gratitude. Friend, when was the last time? You told God, thank you. When was the last time you expressed gratitude to God for the things that he has done in your life? And I want to encourage you to count your blessings. If you got to do this later in the day or if you can pause this and do it right now. But I want to encourage you to count your blessings. Get out a notepad or your phone and just literally count your blessings. Like for me, Lord, I just want to thank you for wife. Thank you for my parents. Thank you for my siblings. Thank you for um, the job that I have. Thank you um, for my apartment and thank you. And the list goes on and on and on. And I will read that periodically so I can keep God's blessings at the forefront of my mind. And I, and I, I promise you, man, this is a mood booster and a mood changer. So not to, I don't mean to give you homework in the middle of a sermon, but it will behoove you to do so, to count your blessings, to literally um, take an account of the things that God has done in your life and to read that over on a consistent basis. We love God by giving our tithes and giving our offerings to the local church. So therefore, the Great Commission can be expressed on local and national levels. We show God that we love him by by walking in faith and trusting him. Like, God, I love you so much that I trust you. Then, of course, we show God that we love him and that we obey him by fulfilling a great commission, um, sharing the gospel, making disciples, helping others to go to grow closer to Christ. And to me, the, the, the highest form of, of love and obedience is when we can get to a place we can get to a state like Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane where we can say this and mean this. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That is the ultimate point of surrender, love, and obedience. So I just want to encourage you to surrender and submit and succumb to the word, the will, and the way of God 
and that's obedience. And so I end with the text at hand. And he said to him, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love God with all your heart. Love him with all your soul and love him with all your mind. Love him with your everything. And this is the great and first commandment. God loves you, my friend. God loves you, driver. And God loves me. But it's time for us to reciprocate that love, to love him back, and to show him that we love him by obeying him. And so we're going to pick up part two, loving others next week. But now here's a spoken word piece by my sister in Christ, Emery Colvin. So please enjoy. And we see you next week. I was not brought to life with spirit-filled breath to live out my days broken. I was brought to life with spirit-filled breath to live abundantly, confidently, assuredly, wholeheartedly, truthfully, freely, freely, freely. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I am free from wounds healed by the Spirit who loves me and fills me. I'm free from scars erased by the one who was lashed on his back for me to be healed. From pain, they say there's no gain without it, but I walk above it in Spirit-filled comfort. I am free. Now the valleys still come, life ebbs and it flows, because the prince of this world is still in control. But the Spirit in me is greater than the prince of this world. And while I am in this world, I am not of it. I see the end game and I walk steps of faith and I know that I'm flesh, but I live spirit-led. So my perspective is higher than I smell, touch, or see. I walk dependently, listening intently to the hope of glory, Christ within me. I am not broken. I am healed by the Lamb that was slain, freed by the Spirit who breaks every chain, made whole by the Father who loves me and sent His Son for me. I am healthy and whole. I am free. Yeah. Sometimes we forget to give thanks for the little things And Sunday mornings they become a distant memory How did I lose touch in the first place? But every time I do, I look in the mirror and say Ain't nothing like them Sunday mornings at church, church. Sometimes you